You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay. Tim, I forgot to turn the light off. Look, man, we got the, the Holy Ghost in here with us. You see that light beaming down in my hand here? I love that. Hey, just a little extra. A little extra <laughs> something. Halo, man. It's actually shining down on the Clay Matthews spill it play over there on the wall. So uh, we'll take it. it. Maybe it's a sign for better things to come. But your Packer Hall of Famer, Clay Matthews. Let's go, dude. Let's go. How you doing this morning, man? Doing good, man. The diesel's uh, in full effect, flowing through my veins. I'm ready. Ready ready to talk a ball. It's been a hectic morning for me. I've uh, Mandy. Mandy actually went down to uh, to a local church to uh, do some charity. She's done or feeding, I don't know, about 80, 90 people, um, you know, uh, basically, you know, folks who don't have the money, uh, some are handicapped, some are elderly, that type of thing. So she's down there doing the Lord's work and I'm over here just wasting time talking ball, you know, so kind of feeling like a schmuck, but anyway, I've got three dogs up here with me, right? So it might get a little ugly. All right. You guys hear some wrestling around or you see me, if you, if you see it go mute and me going, you know what's going on, all right? So just bear and with us. You're but, not yelling at Mandy. You're yelling at the dog. Exactly correct. Exactly <laughs> correct. Which, yeah, you, you'll never have to worry about me yelling at Mandy. That girl's a firecracker. So, <laughs> um, they were, you, all you would see is the screen go black if I ever yelled at Mandy on that. So, anyway, or at least I would see the screen go black. This screen would go black. Um, so, I just made my third pass through the tape from the game. Um, for Chalk Talk, we're going to have 17 plays. <laughs> I keep telling myself 10, Clayton, 10, 10. But there's just there's so many plays that that play a role in the outcome of the game. Um, it was a fun one to watch. It was. It was an exciting game. I know people came out kind of depressed because of the defense there in the second half, and and it was kind of a nail-biter, a lot closer than it should have been, obviously. Um, you know, I was pretty critical of Jair going into that game or coming out of that game, um, just watching the TV copy the first time through. And usually, Tim, when I have that kind of take, 
I come out the other side and I go, man, I was wrong. I was just emotional, right? More times than not, it's the case. This time is actually a little worse than, than I remember. <laughs> so uh, just some of his mistakes, they came at the most inopportune time. I mean, inopportune time. Uh, one being the uh, the play there in the fourth quarter. There was 7.30 left. And we'll do chalk talk either today or tomorrow. It, it'll, it'll probably be tomorrow. It'll have to be tomorrow. Um, it was There was 7.30 left in the fourth quarter. They were at Green Bay's 40-yard line. It was a third and 12 play. I'm actually going to pull it up here for you guys real quick. Um, I'm not going to pull up the play, but what I'm going to do is pull up a tweet that I just put out. Um, and just to kind of show you guys my perspective, where I'm coming from here, Tim, I want you to confirm that you can see this for me, buddy. Um, I'm going to go full screen for just a second, and you got it, right? Yeah, I can see that. All right, so what I said was, um, as Ryan Wood tweeted, Jair mentioned in the offseason that the hashtag Packers coaching staff was trying to convince him to tighten his pre-snap alignment. Evidently, it didn't take because this was a third and 12 in the fourth quarter that got converted right across Jair's face. So here's the original tweet. You can see this tweet, right? Yep. Okay, cool. It says, Jair Alexander says Packers past defense coordinator Greg Williams has been stressing for him to play closer to the line of scrimmage. Quote, he's been helping me with my alignment because sometimes I have a tendency to play a little farther off. So he's just been trying to tighten my leverage down. Okay, that's Jair's words. That's not my words. That's not LaFleur's words. It's not Barry's words. It's not Ryan Woods. Jair said that. Now, if you go to the picture, this is that play I was talking about. We're up 30 to 16, third and 12 play, right? And look at everybody's alignment here because immediately people go, that's Joe Barry. He's making on the line like that. If that's the case, then why is Keyshawn only three yards off his receiver? You see they're already in motion, so I tried to adjust. The guy at the bottom got a little bit late of a jump, but this uh, guy at the top that's on Jair got a really good jump off the ball. So you can see three yards in the slot, eight yards from Stokes, Jair's 10 yards off the ball. And essentially what happened, if you see my cursor, this guy just kind of ran right across his face and caught a first down. So immediately they'll say this is Joe Barry's fault. This is no, this is how the defense is supposed to be ran. We've said it over and over and over on this program that they give the players the freedom to line up. Now, what do people say? Well, they need to stop giving the players the freedom. I completely agree. But what this shows you down here with Stokes being eight yards off and Keyshawn Nixon being only three yards off, they've made that adjustment. Guys, it's a third and 12. Earlier this year, you would have seen these corners back here, Tim, at the bottom. Right, you would have seen playing kind of the sticks. So even Jair's tighter than they have been in the past, but he's still playing too far off because he don't want to get cooked. What's crazy about this is if you look at the alignment, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six. You got six guys pretty much on the line of scrimmage. It looks like they're all attacking too. There may be a fire zone in there. I can't remember exactly what happened up front, but you got six there, right? You got uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So these are all eleven players on the on the screen. Not only is Jair playing off, he's got help over the top. He's got to know I've, I'm covered across the top here. You see what I'm saying, Tim? Yep. So that's the I first mean, thing. I, I understand the, the surface level logic of, hey, protect the, the, the line of gain, protect the, the first down marker. But, I mean, you got to think letting a receiver have full a full steam ahead speed running right at you you're you're already putting yourself in a bad spot. I'd have almost rather seen him press up there and get beat that way. And if it happens, it happens. Absolutely. Like, like you said, there's there's safety help. I don't know if that's Ant Johnson or J.O. up there, but there's uh there's safety help. 
you know, yeah. split you the could, difference, play them five yards off. Something right, right, and and what's crazy is there's no help over the top for Stokes. Now, as you roll the play, maybe the safety does bail out. I'm sure he probably does, but he has no help. And look how close he is. He's he's making them make a decision and make it quick. Now this is this is cover two man, right? This is this is man to man. I'll have to go back and watch it again. I don't have that information in front of me right now. I don't have it on the chart that's in front of me. Um, I think it was actually zone, if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong. It looks like Stokes is, or it looks like Keyshawn's actually playing man, but it, right. it gets a little bit strange. It could be catch man. It might have been catch man robber, but I need okay. to go back. Like I said, I get those notes downstairs. I just, Which is why we have the safety cheating down. I get it. Absolutely. But the, the point is pre-snap, like there's nothing about this pre-snap alignment that suggests that – You need to be that far back, yeah. Right. Like there's nothing about it. Yeah, it's just – and again, we'll get into the details of it. Maybe by the time Chalk talks over, I finish this play and go, okay, I get it now. I know why he was playing there. The safety bailed out, got you. Okay, he's playing leverage. But at the same time, it's like you can't you can't line up that far off. Yeah, it's like the logic is I'll give up the underneath and we'll, you know, then it'll be fourth and four and we'll, you know, they'll kick a long field goal, whatever. Right. But the the logic's there, but in actuality, you know, receivers don't always do what you, you think they're going to do. And so, right. yeah, he ran a post, right? Look mm-hmm. back, it was a post and uh, right, you know, challenge the coverage, runs right at it. What do you do? You know, right. you're already 10 yards off. Now you're turning your hips and backpedaling. I mean, you're you're cooked already. Yep. I'd much rather see. And, you know, that's the thing we talk about with Ja. One of the things I always liked about the idea of pressing him up a little bit is his ability to recover. We've seen it time and time again where, you know, he'll he'll be close to the, the receiver and he's probably beat by a step or two. But Jair can close that that distance and recover right. and make a play. You got to trust yourself to do it. And, you know, we don't need Jair quotes. I'll tell you right now with my own words. I saw it all during training camp. I right. I talked <laughs> to Coach Williams about this, you know, from from his his mouth. You know, he said the same thing. I watched uh, Jair working with, uh, he had resistance bands on his legs and was working on his footwork and uh, getting closer to the, to the line of scrimmage, you know, and Ja's not a big intimidating dude. You're not going to get, you know, I'm not going to see him jamming a guy off, off the line, you know, like you would with some of these more physical DBs, but you got to do something, man, get a hand on him, redirect, you know, something to change that route. Um, Because, you know, a 15 year old in high school could run, could have ran that post on Jair and probably, probably made a catch on that play. And here's, I, I just went back and looked at the tape again. I, I pulled it up on my phone real quick. They were in cover one man, they blitz six. Okay. So the safety that you see pushing down is actually man coverage on the running back who attacks the flat. So the safety over top of Jair, he's showing pre snap you know, like a pre-snap lever, like a pre-snap, uh, whatever you want to call it, call it safety look, safe look over the top of him, and then he bells out. Stokes is playing catch man just like Jair is. Stokes is eight yards off the line, right? The problem I have is this is the all-world corner that you made the highest-paid corner in the league, and he's too scared to play up eight yards off the line as opposed to ten. And it was – people were going, well, it's just two yards. It's a difference in a first down. It really is because if he's eight yards closer then that, that receiver has to now make a decision. Do I give a little, a little, a little juke and work around the backside of him for the post or do I still want to cross his face? And at the eight yard mark, 
if he tries to cross his face, Jair can clamp down. You see now the things that the coaching staff was trying to get across. And when you, when you hire Greg Williams in as your new passing game coordinator, you could tell that if, if that happened, let me pull up that tweet again. I, I won't pull it up on the screen, but I just want to make sure the date on it, the date of that tweet was July 31st. Look, so yeah, right. this is at the forefront of their mind, right, going into the preseason essentially. This is training camp. And yep. that's what they were working on with Jair. And now here you are in whatever, two, three weeks left in the season, and he's still refusing to line up tighter. And it would be different if it ended up being a quarters look. That's why I was saying, like, I may go back and watch the tape and go, okay, now it makes sense. Because if it's a quarters look, then he's got a bell deep. That means someone's supposed to be in the drop zone underneath. That wasn't mm-hmm. the case. This was cover one man, you're firing six. Yeah, so, there was nobody anywhere near there to, right. to, to do that. I mean, everyone was, like you said, we had, what, six guys on the line? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, clearly that's your responsibility out there. Yeah. You know, I don't mind you starting back that way. You know, like, hey, pre-snap, he's he's playing off, he's playing off, and then, you know, they go into their cadence, and all of a sudden that's yeah. when you should see a DB taking those steps forward. Woodson was a master at that. I'm going to line up back here, and by the time you look back up and snap the ball, I'm, I'm five yards off the, off the line. Um, exactly. We just don't see that, you know. That's what we call sugaring. Yep. You know, some people think sugaring is just – you know, mugging the A gaps or, or, you know, showing a cat blitz and then belling out. Sugaring can also be from a safe approach. Like they, they did a little pre snap sugar there with the shell look. They tried to give a shell look, but the safety Anthony Johnson Jr. kind of tipped the hand by lining so far off because he's trying to give Jair a little more leverage to play underneath. Jair didn't even take it. So right. look at it from a quarterback standpoint. You come to the line of scrimmage, you look up and you go, okay, shell. Wait, that ain't shell. This safety's creeping down six yards into the box. That safety's shadowing over top of it, like almost like it's bracket coverage on the left on the X. Okay, yeah, we're good here. That dude's 10 yards off the line. This post is going to – there's nothing he can do to bite on this post, nothing. Because as soon as the ball snapped, his first read was probably strong safety in, man coverage, I'm going straight to the post. That 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 safety's got to be playing deep. You know, so yeah, it's just a – it's frustrating because everybody wants there to be this one simple answer, which is there's one guy at fault, one guy's problem. Get him out of here. And, and again, we're not saying he should stay. I'm just simply like, here's my point. If another DC comes in and they call that same exact play and Jair plays it the same way, you're going to have the same problem. So something has got to change there. They tried to bring in a new face to do it. One of the supposedly the up and coming young defensive minds in the league this secondary's gotten worse this year. I think we would all agree. They've gotten worse than last year. I Which mean, is crazy because going into this year, that that was like the least of our concerns. That's um, why you I guys think, can, I think especially corner. I think we were more concerned about safety going into the season. Yeah. Right. And and you go out and you try to bring in Greg Williams, it completely flops. So Matt LaFleur made a horrible hire in Joe Barry at DC. He's made a horrible hire in passing game coordinator in Greg Williams. If if they decide to scrap Joe Barry, which I think they will, the, the one of the top names at the at the top of the list for me is Chris Hewitt in in uh, Baltimore. He's a passing game coordinator in Baltimore. He's a former player, played a couple years in the league. Some people go, well, I want someone who played longer. They're kind of few and far between when it comes to coaches, right? Your Gerard Mayos are tied up 
in New England. It's going to be hard to get him away unless that whole staff is scrapped and he doesn't decide to go with Bill wherever Bill goes. But that's one of the things. You bring him in. Watch how Baltimore plays. You bring in someone like Chris Hewitt who comes in that locker room. He has no standing with these players at all. That could be a bad thing, but can it also be a good thing, right? You come in and go, listen, I don't care what you've done, what your contract looks like. Everyone across the board, we're fixing this damn defense and we're doing it right now. Okay. If I catch you lining 10 yards up off the ball, you're gone. Period. Case closed. Now, if that conversation happens with someone like Jair, I don't think it's going to go well because I don't think he showed the maturity that he can handle that kind of conversation. But, um, you know, yeah. that would be the one thing that if you had to have a knock on Jair Alexander, it's lack of coachability. Mm-hmm. I, I really think. I mean, if you talk about all these things, it's like, can you imagine if Ja was like super coachable and really responded to some of these concepts? I mean, we'd be having a totally different conversation right now. That play might have been a, a pick, you know, in a perfect world. But um, I don't know. I, I, I really do. I just feel like he maybe Ja just doesn't take direction very well. Or or again, like we said, these coaches are not finding a way to get that message through. Um, right. Because maybe it's not just Jair. You know, we, we've seen more than one guy go rogue this year on some of these plays. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Blake Berry in the chat. This is a great conversation here. We said we're hitting a PFF grades. We're hitting it, but I got to hit on this. Blake <laughs> Berry says in the chat, good to see you in there, buddy. He says, Mike McDan- Ma- McDonald, um, Ravens DC, might be a dark horse head coaching candidate this year. I wonder if John Harborg might promote your guy, Hewitt. So, if he promotes him, here's the thing. Hewitt is already the passing game coordinator, right? So what he would have to do is promote him to assistant head coach. I don't know who their assistant head coach is. If he does not promote him to assistant head coach, then two things have to happen to bring in a Chris Hewitt. And I'm okay with this. I'm to the point where I'm okay with this. I love Rich Basaccia. You guys know I pointed out last year that the reason Rich Basaccia uh, or the reason that we didn't go out and get like a Fangio or someone like that is because you had to choose. Rich Bisaccia was going to get a promotion regardless last year. He was going to get hired by someone as an assistant head coach to get them to run his their special teams. So that you made him assistant head coach. That's why you couldn't go out and get someone who otherwise got that same position offered to them somewhere else. That makes sense. You can't block lateral moves, right? It has to be a promotional move. If someone makes a promotional move, you can hear them wrestling already. You can hear if you get a promotional move, then you can't block that. You've got to match that promotional move. Okay. You cannot block a horizontal move. So, with that being said, the way that this would have to work is if he gets promoted to DC, they would have to promote him to assistant head coach, too. To the best of my knowledge, I don't know, Matt McDonald might be – or Matt McDonald might be their assistant head coach. If that's the case, then they would promote Hewitt to assistant head coach. But you would have to – another moving part, the reason I mention this and we'll move on, is you would have to demote Rich Basaccia and remove the assistant head coach position, opening him up for someone else grabbing him, which I got to be real. It's hard for me to argue with people that say, hell, that's just fine, let him leave. Like it, the way the special teams has performed this year, I'm to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that because look at all the penalties on special teams, you know. So yeah. something to keep in mind there: you you demote him, and then you can make Chris Hewitt your assistant head coach. This is one name. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. We should go get Chris Hewitt. I'm just starting to lay the foundation as we get into the off season. This is how the coaching hires are going to have to be made. Okay, so 
hopefully that makes sense. But um, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, Blake points an, another great point here. He says uh, NFL Black Monday and coaching carousel will be here too soon. It's right around the corner. What he's talking about with Black Monday is uh, that's the label that's put on the Monday following the last week of the season where all the coaches get canned. I know. I think it was Ian Rappaport that made the prediction earlier, or maybe it was Adam Adam Schefter on the uh, McAfee show. Said they're predicting ten new coaching changes, head coaching changes this year. Wow. That's a lot, guys. That's a third of the league. I mean, that's wild. Right out of third of the league. So there you go. Anything else you want to add to that, um, Tim? Before we move on to the PFF grades, buddy. Uh, no, I think um, I think it's you know it's time to ramp up these conversations as the season winds down here. But I just I feel like we're still a little early um, as far as like trying to accurately you know predict what's going to happen, but. Certainly doing the homework and, and like you said, Clayton, look at some of these, you know, uh, top tier defenses and see where we can maybe snag somebody to come come here to Green Bay. Um, but you're right. We got to move some pieces around uh, to make this make sense. And a great point that you just made that I agree wholeheartedly with. I don't care if the Messiah comes back down here and coaches this team. You have the same players out there. And um, at a certain point, you know. Coaching is coaching. If we bring a new staff in and we see more of the same out there, we we're going to really have a <laughs> some more more questions than answers, I think. Um, and uh, oh, look at that pup right there! This guy right here. There's our here. DC right there. This is Raymond Nitschke right here. Look at Ray. Yeah, this is Nitschke. That's as they know. His nickname's Mitch, though. Everybody thinks we say Mitchkey, but it's Nitschke. They don't <laughs> like football, right, Bob? He looks amused. He's not amused with Jair playing 10 yards off. He's like, bro, if they're in a treat up here, I'm trying to figure out why I'm trapped in this uh, this studio <laughs> with you today. This is just how dare you people. I love um, it. So anyway, let's uh, let's kind of move along here. First Green and Gold uh, draft report says, glad you mentioned Basaccia because I think he's supposed to be Matt LaFleur's hammer to the occasional nail. Has he failed there too? The assistant head coach is supposed to have the head coach's back, period. He should be the one that's behind the scenes kind of taking care of some of this nonsense, right? He's the guy that Matt's busy putting all this stuff together, making sure everybody's on the same page, both defense and offense, all that stuff. Uh, he's supposed to be that guy that when this – like if there's anybody in that locker room that I think should go to someone like Jair, if indeed everything is true that we're hearing out of oh, there. Yeah. And, again, we always got to add that in because, look, we don't know. We don't know all the details, right? It may not be near as bad as what's been reported. It's just – Dang, <laughs> every single week it's something different with him. So yep. if that's the case, um, you would think Masachi would be one of those guys to pull him to the side. You know he's got the respect of Keyshawn Nixon. They absolutely love each other, you know, Keyshawn Nixon and Rich Basaccia. So go in there and talk to him. Like, hey, look, what, what the heck's the deal here? What's going You're on? You're right, so, though, because Lafleur, a coach like Matt Lafleur needs he needs enforcers, you know, because Matt Lafleur is the tactician. That's the guy that's, you know, the, the most prepared – First one in the building, last one to leave. You know, we think we're film nerds. I'm pretty sure Matt LaFleur has watched more film in a week than we have in our lives. And, you know, it's like you need you. I really thought that that was the reason we promoted Coach B to, you know, assistant head coach is to kind of be like you said, be that hammer to the nail. And it's I don't know if we're seeing it or, or if we're not seeing it enough or if that's what he's doing. And it's just again, it's not it's not hitting home with these guys. Right. You know? yeah. It's a different league now. You know, you there's like, we, we talked about this last night, you know, teams are coached differently. And I don't know if, uh, 
you know, I, I, if the message just isn't getting home or, or what, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I I'm fully looking for, uh, some sort of a shakeup. I, I truly believe that you can't just fire one person and expect everything to, uh, you know, change. I think there needs to be multiple moves made with this coaching staff and yeah, it's on Matt LaFleur to figure this out with his staff, you know? Right. That's what he gets paid the big bucks for, man. That's why he got that big extension. It is funny, though, hearing Michael Lombardi talk about, uh, you know, a couple years ago, going into Aaron Rodgers' last year, he said, you know, Aaron Rodgers got everybody in the building a contract extension. Now it's his fault that nothing's working. (laughs) True. And and then you look up the next year and you're going, wow, this is – the team as a whole, I think we would all agree, is kind of taking a step back. If – Imagine if Jordan Love wasn't on this roster. Imagine if you had another uh, – a, say someone like Bryce Young. Let's say you didn't go the Jordan Love route and you have, hell, even right. the number one pick. He's the number one pick. And him playing in the 50s, according to PFF, and you see it all over the tape from week to week, like the inconsistency, what would this team's record be? We yeah. should be thinking the good Lord above that we've got Jordan Love, man. There's no doubt about it. So Roger Davis says, put in niche. Niche isn't interested, man. If it doesn't involve a T-R-E-A-T, he's not <laughs> interested. He's, uh, he is definitely a high-priced free agent. There's no doubt about it. You notice I didn't just say the word because if I did, he would be running all over. back here. You would see him do a big, like, unbelievable. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Dog's so spooled, man. He's put on about seven pounds, too, which is about, I don't know, 70% of his body weight. But <laughs> Nick McSwain in the chat said, if Passaccia can't get the special teams to work, maybe it's the players. You know, one thing that's been talked about a lot in the past by people I respect is when it comes to West Coast offenses and you putting in a, you putting a roster together around a West Coast offense, it's very rare that West Coast offense – heavy teams have good special teams. You know, when you go to Bill Belichick, when you go to the old East Coast way, right? And when I say that, I'm talking about Bill Parcells' way of building a roster, right? Bill Belichick's way. They've always got a solid special teams. I haven't looked at it this year, but, I mean, it's year in and year out. They have a solid special teams because they build the roster as if special teams is a third of the roster. Um, right. Some people would say – They're oh, not afraid to put starters on special teams either. Exactly. I mean, they, they've literally got guys that, that contribute nothing to either aspect of the game. I'm trying to think of his name now. His, his name uh, escapes me, but he's been there forever. His dad was a football player. I think he played for the Patriots. Um, he's a team captain. He's their special teams ace, basically. He's their gunner. Does nothing else. He's, he's technically a wide receiver. He does nothing else on the team but gunner, and he's a captain on the team. That's how much emphasis they put on it. So you have the West Coast approach where it's not so much so so much emphasis on that, and typically you got them in the bottom half of the league in special teams. So – just something to kind of keep in mind there. Nick McSwain says, nah, people on Twitter said LaFleur doesn't even watch tape. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hilarious. hilarious the same people that criticize us for watching tape actually believe <laughs> – you actually believe that? <laughs> that, Roger, that Davis doesn't watch tape. <laughs> Roger Davis is on fire. He says, put Nitch's treat eight yards off – oh, I said it. He said, put, put Nitch's <laughs> treat eight yards off the line. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You need to you need to do something, man. I'm telling you that it's so frustrating seeing that continue to happen. I understand in zone because you you know when you're playing quarters, it's like okay, everything stays in front of you, and you got to play top down, right? Top down. That's what was so exciting about Anthony Johnson Jr. And mm-hmm. it's another example of why maybe he might be underperforming because we played 64 percent man or whatever it was. He he, that's not his thing. Right. Like coming out of college, the Big Sky Report, he will fit this Fangio system perfectly because he plays top down. Like and this he, is again another guy we draft, and we we're putting him in a different spot, asking him to do different things, and wondering why we're not getting the best out of these players. You know, yeah, absolutely, man. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about the PFF grades since we've been talking about doing it for several weeks now, Tim. Um, <laughs> so, on the season, all right, PFF grades on the season. Um, I guess they heard my voice inflection. Lincoln thinks we're going downstairs. Ain't happening, Bob. Go sit down. <laughs> so when you look at the overall grade, uh, according to PFF on the year, okay, we are now ranked 17th at 78.4. So just to kind of roll through real quick and give you an idea, offense is 74.3, passing is 77.4. Um, you've got uh, pass blocking 71.0, receiving grade is 74.5, and then you've got running grade of 78.3. To me, that tells the story there, Tim. This offense has really come together, and you can see the running grade has always been high, right? And, and the the only thing that really sticks out here that's not in the green is your run blocking grade of fifty five point nine, which we've talked about. Um, that's that's pretty much what I've seen all year. How about you? Yeah, absolutely, and um, I love it, man. Not bad for uh, for the youngest team in the NFL uh, to be in the top twenty here. Um, Again, PFF, this is just PFF metrics, but this right. is very good to look at and really see it spread out, broken down across the board. Um, a lot of green 
a lot of green on that on that chart, which is what we want to see um, as we work our way to the to seeing more blue. Um, get busy looking at uh, San Francisco up there at the top. My goodness, um, <laughs> dogs, man. Yeah, but this uh, this Packers team. I mean, the future does look bright. I mean, this is uh, you know, it's 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 funny. You you look at those PFF grades and then you look at the record, and you you can't help but think, man couple more going the other way man we're we're a little bit higher up on this list um but um you know we've got areas we need to address just like i mean hey we just talked about san francisco look at that pass block grade you know there nobody's perfect in this league you know i don't care if you're top five not if you're a number one contender or not um every team has an area or two they need to address so um and the packers um have some on offense a little bit more on defense they need to address but um future looks bright man i'm i'm you know with all with all that's been said and done this year i'm i'm pretty pleased with uh the performance of this young team yeah you get some stuff you need to button up for sure uh you got plenty of holes that you can fill in the offseason but again i said six to ten wins we've already surpassed that floor um i'm i'm excited man i'm really excited about the rest of the rest of the season or you know moving forward next year especially but when you look at the defensive side of the ball 68.4 overall defense run defense 61.1 tackle grade 58.1 pass rush 73.3 coverage grade 67.8 and special teams 70.1 the big glaring hole there is tackling obviously it's how we draft guys i mean we talked about branch last year there's no weight put in how well someone tackles. It's all about athletic profile. It's all about uh, stopping the pass, although I think we would all agree that has failed in comparison to what we expected going into this season. Now, some of you probably already noticed, if you look at the top of this list, the defense here, go to the defense column, right, the overall defense. Look at the top teams. 49ers, 90.6. Miami Dolphins, 90.1. By the way, that's Vic Fangio. Now we can honestly say, okay, the right move would have been forget Rich Passaccia, let's go Vic Fang- Let's go get Vic Fangio. Their defense, 90.1. Baltimore, that might be someone you pluck from. Baltimore Ravens, 89.1. Dallas Cowboys, 84.2. Now, when you look at what these defenses are good at, we can just briefly mention this, right? Notice that all those top three – are really bad at tackling, right? Um, but look it, at the coverage grades. Right. When you when you look at the tackle grade, it's like, okay, it's a Fangio style. Our tackle grade is horrible. We we The goal was to play Fangio style of defense, right? I think it's safe to say that those style of defenses are not putting emphasis on tackling, right? It's yep. more about um, getting to the passer, look at their pass rush grades, look at the coverage, right? They're, they're locking down. Yeah, it's just uh, those are probably the three teams. I, I'm not interested in pulling any, anybody from Dallas. That's just me personally. I'm not. I would pluck from the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Ravens. And when you look at it and go, okay, who has the best run defense? It's the Dolphins. Your roster is already built to pull someone from there and run the Fangio defense. I know people are convinced we don't want to run the Fangio defense. Who is the brightest mind down there? That's someone you could pluck from. Baltimore is the other one. When you look at Baltimore, what's our biggest issue this year? Tackling, obviously their tackling's bad too. Their run defense is better, but their coverage grade, their coverage grade is just through the freaking roof. So 
who who is in charge of their passing game coordination on defense? Chris Hewitt. So just keep that in mind. That wasn't the point of showing this graphic, but just a little uh, collateral damage there for you as you see just how bad we've been in conjunction with the best defenses in the league. All right, let's move on to the weekly grades. Um, let's read them off real quick. Overall weekly grades throughout the season starting week one, 75.7. 65.9, 65 65.9, 65 65.1, 65.1, 65.1, 63.3, 63.6, 81.5, 69.5, 62.7, 74.2, 81.0. Uh, then against the Giants, you got 62.9, then 62.1, 59.0. So according to PFF, overall, grades, this was the worst game we played all year long, and we still won the game somehow, some way. Pretty wild stat there. Pass blocking, hands down, the worst it's been all year, 52.9. Um, the thing that we did best, the running grade, Aaron Jones just carrying the freaking load, 80.8. When you have an 80.8 running grade, Tim, and your run blocking is 39.4, the worst it's been all year, it really says a lot about Aaron Jones being back, man. It sure does. Sure does. And uh, it says a lot about the point of emphasis that – you know, for two weeks in a row, we, we we saw, you know, Aaron Jones getting the ball early and often. And then we get away from that. You know, I wonder if that's just like, is that LaFleur's approach? Like, get Jonesy in there when we have him. Let's get him going. That gets us going. And then once we're rolling, uh, we'll just throw on first down all the time. Like, I don't I don't yeah. understand that approach. I'm not saying that's his approach. But, um, I, I don't know. I don't want to say the old cliche cliche of oh we got to get Jones more touches I don't I don't think it's necessarily that I think we need to just you know stop getting away from the run so quickly I think you know you, you got to have a run game for four quarters man you know right. it's funny you mentioned that because when I'm looking at my chart here uh on Sunday you had in the fourth quarter we got the five-yard touchdown with Romeo Dobbs Come out, the defense gets them to go three and out the very next drive, but then the offense goes three and out. And I put in parentheses here, first down, incompletion, second down, one-yard run by A.J. Dillon. So you didn't even have in Aaron Jones there. And then you fast forward to three possessions later, or actually one possession later, the offense goes three and out again. They had a six-yard run on first down, Tim, then Ooh. incomplete, one-yard loss on a pass. Can you, ima- can you imagine if you, you ran and you got six yards on first down and then you, you went ahead and ran it again on second down? Oh, my goodness. Twice yeah. in a row? That would be crazy. Be absolutely crazy. I mean, I trust Aaron Jones to get four yards. Trust A.J. Dillon to get four yards. Yeah. You know, I we put ourselves in these, posi- in these positions, in these situations where I don't care what team it is, they know we're throwing. So all your RPO and your play action, all that, they're not biting on any of that crap. You know, you put yourself in third and eight, you're throwing the football in this league. I don't care what team you are. And if a defense can pin their ears back, as we say, and they know what you're, you know, they don't know exactly what you're running, but they're playing pass. You know, you sell out to the pass on on a third and long. It, It has worked. You know, we've converted some of those too. You know, I can't knock that. You know, we've we've had our share of third and longs that, for some reason, we always seem to find a way to to find a guy like Rome or Tucker Craft or somebody, and we convert these third and longs. But I, I feel like the inconsistency with the run attack is 
kind of setting us up for failure sometimes on these drives. Yeah, for sure. I want to give a shout out to Andy Gilbert. Just hopped in there. He's one of the guys I blocked on Twitter. He said something along the lines of uh, Clayton blocked me on Twitter because I proved him wrong. That's obviously not the case because uh, why are you in here, Andy? That's the question I've got for you, buddy, which you're not hearing this now, but it's a good case study. I block people on Twitter when you're rude, man, when you just jump in the mentions and all you do is disagree and call people uh, bad things. I guess I'll just leave it at that. But it's just funny that you block someone on Twitter and then they jump on your live stream. It's starting to get a little bit weird, don't you think? A little bit creepy. Maybe you might need a life, big dog. You're following me around from Twitter to YouTube. Obviously, you didn't get the stream from Twitter. So now you're looking for me on YouTube. Little little bit creepy, just saying. Um, All right. Defense, 55.3, 61.5 on run defense, tackle grade 56.7, pass rush 69.5, coverage grade 48.6, special teams grade 46.9. Oh, yeah, the Basachi experiment's over, Tim. Um, Oof. I, man, that's just tough for me, bro. That's tough. When you – what's – you know, it's not just about special teams, right? He's the assistant head coach. Okay, well, you got a strong locker room, right? Doesn't feel like it. So what is he doing well? Right. Right. That's a great point. What 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 is it um that is keeping the focus on on Coach B uh having the role that he has? Because, you know, we talked about it just now. We touched on the role as as assistant head coach. Okay, well, what is what are you bringing? to the table besides, you know, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be, um, you know, you're backing up your head coach. You have to, uh, support your head coach and have his back. I get that. But if you have young players and you've got guys that are kind of discombobulated, maybe, maybe not paying attention, maybe not buying in completely, you know, that's a shortcoming, uh, from, from coaching. It has to be. And, right. you know, Matt LaFleur, we know his role. We know he's the offensive guy. You know, I, I'd like to think that Passaccia was pr- promoted to assistant head coach, um, not because of his special teams experience, but because of his experience as a head coach, although it was in an interim fashion. Um, but I just don't know. Something's not getting through. And, yeah, when your bread and butter is – you know, that this, this would be like if we had the, if the offense was terrible, you know, we'd be looking at Matt LaFleur like, dude, you're the, you're the quarterback whisperer or you're the, you're the offensive dude. Why are we, why do we stink on offense? Well, that's not the case, but we look at special teams and coach B man. Yeah. 46.9. That's our second worst grade of the year. Uh, I mean, we didn't grade that bad since week three, you know? Yeah. No doubt. Chad Inc. in the chat says, man, you slipping, Clayton. Where's the roadhouse at? Man, I'm over here trying to read these grades. I'm dealing with the troll in here. Y'all go give Andy Gilbert some love on Twitter, but let's go ahead and hit him with that real quick, Chad. Roadhouse. Go out of here. All right, so it's a, it's a tough look, man. You, you know, you got to make a change, Tim. You got to make a change. You changes. Changes. Multiple yeah. changes. Yeah, and, you know, here's the thing, too. You go to demote Basaccia, I think he can decline that demotion, and then you have to cut him loose, and he gets paid. So, you know, all to the best of my knowledge, all coaching contracts are guaranteed, I believe, um, and they've got an offset with it as well. I don't think that just applies to head coaches. I think it applies to uh, um, 
I think it applies to all assistants as well. I could be wrong there. So, um, but you know, everybody's got to be accountable, man. And, you know, I understand that Matt LaFleur is, you know, Matt LaFleur is the, he's the head coach and he should be accountable as anyone. It's just like, there's always that little bit of buffer there for Matt, for me, especially when the offense, one of the, one of, if not the youngest offenses in the league really starting to peak. It's like, okay, he's doing his part, right? It's why you need someone strong there as your number two guy, right? And one thing I do respect about Matt, and I know people are going to get really upset about this, is he he is committed to his guys, Tim. Like, he won't throw them under the bus, you know? Yep. yep, that's right. You criticize the play, not the player. You know, that's part of uh, part of being a good leader, part of being a good coach, you know. Um, it's not a personal thing, um, but it is a competitive league. Uh, our coach also is – you know, spoken many times about the fact that there are there are no moral victories in this league. And, um, you know, if you're not going to do your job, we're going to find someone that will. Um, I do I do think that it would be nice to see a little bit. Like I said, I like, uh, you know, I like pissed off Matt LaFleur more than I like aw shucks Matt LaFleur. You know, me and Jake <laughs> right. have talked right. about this before. And I can tell you 100% of this season, we have seen zero aw shucks Matt LaFleur. That guy's gone. Um yeah. This Matt LaFleur is, uh, you know, chip on his shoulder. He's got a little bit more of an edge. And I'd like to see the trend continue because, you know, if he can find a way to put that foot down, you know, and demand that excellence out of these guys, I think we see improvements. But, you know, when I talk about the the message not getting through, I'm not referring to like, oh, the, the locker room's lost or these guys are, you know, they don't have control of the locker room. That's, you know, that's casual speculation. You know, we don't know. I'm talking more about what we're seeing on the field and what we know the concepts. We know what they're, you know, trying to achieve here with this Fangio style system. And we just don't see the execution. You know, we talked about Quay last week, you know, in no man's land in the middle. We talk about Jair, you know, on an island, unfortunately, by himself, um, you know, playing 10 yards off. What, you know, where is the iron fist holding these guys accountable you know, sometimes you need an attaboy and sometimes it's, hey, we'll get him next week. And sometimes it's like, dude, what are you doing? We worked on this all week. We talked about this all week. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, like there's nothing wrong with it. This is grown men football, man. This is not the same peewee league. You know, this isn't everybody gets a turn and a gold star for showing up. You know, this is the National Football League. You guys are being paid millions of dollars to play this game. I don't think there's anything wrong with demanding the best out of your players and demanding that they they buy in and pay attention to what what we're doing. This is we've seen it time and time again, man. There's 11 dudes on that field on every play. If one guy does his own thing, your play is busted. Yep, absolutely. And you know, it's it's not even just about it's not even about dogs tied up in the cords down here. Um, it's <laughs> it's not even about. Uh, just to play on the field, you hell, you can't even get the right captains to go out there. Yeah, like it's it's at that level. That's what's wild, man. I yeah, know some I'm, people think that's blown out of proportion, but I'm like, dude, Gary Ellerson, bro. I've been watching football the other since day he said that. I've been watching football since 1990. If you do the math, that's a long. That's what 33 years. I have never, never one time in 33 years heard a story where someone was upset he wasn't captain and decided to go out there himself. And, and my then goodness, they, go like out there, they go out there and call a toss 
and screw this, it up. <laughs> this points to the what I'm talking about is lack of focus. You are so concerned about that. You ain't concerned about getting torched. You ain't concerned that, about that doesn't seem to be a problem. Like, you know, and, and then again, we see this too. You know, uh, boy, we can celebrate after a routine play, though. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, that, I said this last night. Yeah, they're focused on all the wrong crap. It seems like, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'll say it again. I'm of the logic that you know, you, you let the let the captains be uh, elected here at the beginning of the year, and that's who your leaders are. You you define them, and you know, we roll uh, this whole every game. It's somebody different. Nonsense is. I don't know, man. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Um, Ron Sample in the chat says, if Antonio Pierce uh, doesn't get the head coaching job, is he a good option for an interview? Talking about out in Vegas. Uh, on the surface, it seems right, right, Ron? It's like, hey, look, he's got those guys playing for him. Here's the question I have to ask myself when I find myself like trying to trying to ask myself that very question. Like, okay, does that sound like a good – who was the last coach, the last great coach that was an interim coach? and went on to be a great coach after that. Because I think there's something to be said for a team rallying around a guy, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm trying to think of who was the guy, Freddie Kitchens. Remember Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland? Same exact situation. They came out and played lots out for him as interim coach when I can't remember the name of the coach was that that lost his job, but Hugh something. Anyway, um, they come out and – they played well. They gave him the head coaching job, and he fell flat on his face. One last year from the same organization, or two years ago from the same organization, the Raiders, Rich Bisaccia gets promoted. They play their butts off for him, right? We hire him as special teams coordinator, and we had last year was like this, and this year just poof, completely tanked. That hasn't worked out. So my question, Ron, is can you think of I'm genuinely asking. I'm not being a smart elk here. I'm genuinely asking. Do you think – is there anyone you can think of that, hey, they were the interim coach and they went on to be great? Because I just can't think of anybody. I can't. Um, the only one that comes to mind is our boy that was in Tampa that just won a Super Bowl, um, Bruce Arians. He was the interim coach with the Indianapolis coach Colts when uh, Coach P, Chuck Pagano, got cancer. He stepped in and they played pretty well. And he went on to be a head coach in Arizona. Kind of flopped, I think we would all agree. He didn't, didn't get over the hump. Then he goes to Tampa, but he had Tom Brady. So it's like you got that caveat in there. Okay, was it just the Brady effect or was it? Oh, well, that's no secret, right? Tommy was coaching that team just as much as that's a fact. Bruce Arians was. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So great question, though, man. Appreciate it. Doug says, again, the coaching staff was hired to coach a bunch of grizzled veterans. We're now the youngest team in the league. I think that's a fair point, Doug. I do, man. Um, you know, and, and that's where you've got to make sure your GM is aligned with your coaching staff. That's why it was like I think you've seen Lafleur overly aggravated early in the season because he's seen this coming. Like, man, I'm what am I supposed to do here? You just traded away a four-time MVP. Now you trade our way to Rasul Douglas. Have we heard Matt Lafleur say anything about Rasul Douglas's trade? I don't think so. I don't think there's been one kind. Com- if there is a comment, you guys remember it. Put it in the chat. I don't think I remember one comment. Well, that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say don't anything, anything at, all. at all. He's probably <laughs> looking up like. That's the freaking leader on my. T- I know that's how Mike Wall responded. Was like, that's the leader in your locker room. What are you doing? Now all of a sudden you got locker room issues. It's like, I just remember a lot of people back then going, "Oh, this ain't going to affect." They won a couple games after they traded him. It's like I thought this was going to ruin the locker room. It never surfaces until you lose a ball game, right? Yeah. 
strong locker rooms can handle losses, rebound quick, and and recover. Right? Um, that's not what you've seen so far. You're you're kind of seeing the opposite effect there. Nick McSwain said 100% Doug, uh, but before he came to Green Bay, Rich was highly regarded as a great coach. So I don't see how the product on the field is so different from his previous works. It's uh, it's a little bit baffling, man, to kind of see how things have played out there. That's special teams uh, coordinator for sure. Um, let's move on to offense real quick, Tim. We're, uh, we're coming up against the gun here. Offensive PFF grades from the game there Sunday against the Panthers. Aaron Jones, 81.4, had 34 snaps. Bo Melton only had 25 snaps, but 79.1. Uh, Jordan Love, 77.4, another solid performance by Jordan Love. Romeo Dobbs, 71.5, really stepped up. Uh, Dontavian Wicks only had 26 uh, uh, total snaps because of the injury there. He left with the lower, I think they said, uh, was it the yeah, up, upper or lower left chest injury uh, where he took that shot on the touchdown catch? 68.3, pretty good day. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Tucker Craft, like nothing great, 62.5. But when you're what, the one, two, three, four, five, six highest graded player on offense and you scored 33 points that day, I mean, that's that says a lot. You know, he's he may not be great yet but he's performing better than pretty much everyone else on the roster outside of those top five. Uh, Patrick Taylor, 60.7, pretty solid performance considering he only had 20 snaps and kind of had to fill in there. Josiah DeGuara, 60.1. Royce Newman, 60.0. Elton Jenkins, 57.5. Horrible run blocking, great pass blocking. Uh, A.J. Dillon only had 12 snaps, 56.3. We know he's playing with a bum thumb, just him suiting up and going out there, taking a little bit of the load off. Um, really says a lot about him. Malik Heath, 52.6, kind of came back down to earth. John Runyon, 52.2. 
Ben Sims, 47.2. Zach Tom, 46.6. Sean Ryan, 44.8. I know everybody was clamoring for Sean Ryan a few weeks ago. He seems to be worse than John Runyon. That's kind of my take. Um, Josh Myers, oh, man, 41.3. Guys, pass blocking is all over the tape, too. 29.7. Like, thank God John Runyon's on the roster because he was a 23.0. Or else you're – Second round center is, I mean, it's just embarrassing. I don't know what else to say, man. Rasheed Walker, 40.6. And then Samori Torre, of course, 38.2, only had seven snaps. But offensive line took a huge step back this week, according to PFF. Again, it's not everything. But Josh Myers, man, we have, we've got to accept the fact that we've got to sure up that position, man. And I know he's had some good games here of lately. Like Mike Wall said, he's been playing better. And and I think when he said he had been playing better, he was excluding the previous game, but the previous two games, what he was talking about, you could see it. But you just can't have that kind of inconsistency at center. I'm glad the snaps are fixed. Don't get me wrong, but uh, no. you got to you got to be better than that. But what do you think about those PFF grades, Tim? What sticks out to you, Bo? I think staying on the offensive line. I mean, talking about Josh. I mean, that's true. We can't we can't overlook that. That was probably the number one issue going into the season was snap the freaking ball, Josh. And, you know, high snap, low snap, bad snap, late snap, early snap, <laughs> false right. start. There were a lot of a lot of issues there. And, you know, you see it, you got to say it. We we got to be positive and, you know, be positive in that respect when it comes to uh, to Josh is that, um, yeah, the, the snap does not seem to be um, as glaring of an issue, which um you know, lo and behold, you know, the center snaps the ball properly. So, I mean, we shouldn't get too excited here. That's, you know, bare bones minimum doing your job. Um, but, yeah, what point do you look at these grades consistently week in, week out, you know, in the low low 50s and, you know, low 40s sometimes? It's, you know, I I don't know. Can we get Jake Shavink on line one here and <laughs> talk about what the, the centers look like in this draft class and – you know, is it time to, you know, bring some competition to camp in 2024? Let's see. Or 2023, you know, 2023, 2024, 24 going into this next year. Like, does that help? Does that light a fire under a guy like Josh Myers, who's kind of been here and, you know, kind of fell into this role? Do you bring some young blood in there to compete and uh, see what see what happens there? Yeah. You know, I'm sure glad that they brought in uh... – competition at the wide receiver position because it looked like we found a couple studs there, right? Uh, more than a couple, right? Holy yeah. cow. Adam Block says uh, Luke Tenuta time. Hey, I'm I'm down for it. Let's see what he's got, right? He's he's coming off the injury uh, list. It sounds like he's getting healthier every week. Blake Berry said, what are our chances for re-signing Dylan at a discount? If he leaves, I'm going to miss that guy. I think the chances of signing him at a discount is extremely high. I really do. But you got to get ahead of the curve. You got to get out in yep. front of it, right? They're going to let him test the market, it seems like. I feel like the deal would have already been done. Now, there's a chance they could re-sign him as soon as the season ends before he hits free agency. But if the goal is to let him test the market, I, th- I think either way he ends up in Green Bay because the market is not strong for running back. We've seen that, all the controversy going into this year. It's funny how that's got thrown to the wayside as soon as we started playing football, but <laughs> there was a lot of that. How dare they underpay these running backs? And as soon as we get, you know, a slate of six games on Sunday, it's like, who cares? Let's watch football. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see here uh, what else we got. I think I think the chances are good, though. 
there of late. Omer says, need a leader at center or tackle on that line in general. You know, we, we've seen some ups. We've seen kind of the ceiling of Rasheed Walker. Unfortunately, we've seen the floor as well. Um, it's just such an important position, being a tier one position of importance. If Bach doesn't restructure his deal and he's not back in Green Bay, you got to fill that hole for sure. you got to fill that before you fill center, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how I see those two positions. Adam Block says, I thought Walker played better to the eye test. That's a surprise. You may be right, Adam. Keep in mind, man, PFF isn't everything. We just yep. another metric that we share here. So you may look at the tape and say, hey, look, I felt like he played good. I didn't key in on left tackle much because there was so much going on in the defense. It's really where I try to spend my time. That and I wanted to highlight some of Jordan Love's plays as well. He uh, played really well. So, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Nick McSwain said, any good centers in the draft? Like, like Tim just said. Uh, Nick, we need to get Jake Shavink on line one. We'll uh, we'll get on that as soon as possible. There's going to be plenty of time for that talk, so that'll be right around the corner. But I'll tell you what it's time for right now is to say that BetUS is the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. We appreciate them jumping on board with us. If you guys like to put a little action on the game, you should check out their interface. And the, and the way we're going to ask you to do that is if you go to the, the, this YouTube video and click on the descriptions, okay? You're already in here. Just click on the video description. You'll see a link down there. That'll link you directly to BetUS. If you use that link, it will tell BetUS that we sent you to BetUS and put us in better standing with them. It's absolutely free to register as a customer. And again, that's just a way it costs $0 to support this podcast, support this show and show them that, hey, there are people actually listening to these knuckleheads talk about the Packers. So um, the green line here, PFF green line, let's talk about this since we're talking about BetUS. Right now, the market's open. The Vikings are two-point favorites at home against the Packers. You guys know there's typically a three-point buffer for the home team, so it kind of shows you how close this game could be. Um, essentially, if you minus the three points, you know, if you take away the three-point favorite, the fact that they're playing at home, it kind of shows you the Packers would be a one-point favorite, right? So that's that's how you want to kind of look at that line. PFF has it in that regard. They've got it at plus one set one point seven. So basically, rather than two, they've got it closer to one, which is what we just talked about, Tim. Um, you know, there for the, the Vikings being the favorites. Now, when you look at the cash, seventy-seven uh, percent of the cash is on Green Bay, and fifty-two percent of the tickets are on Green Bay there when you just talk about the spread. So looks like the public is on board with the Packers. Um, they're uh, plus two. So saying that that they uh, take take the two points and you should come out on top with that bet. Money line-wise, you've only got – you've got 81% of the money line cash on the Vikings, meaning the public is, is on the Vikings to win this game outright. And you got 77% of the tickets – on Green Bay, so kind of a split there. Very interesting that those both are teetered in uh, in such a such a uh, uh, extreme way. Uh, when you look at the total over under is forty six, so uh, keep that in mind. They're they're predicting forty six. We drilled the over last week, right? You know, uh, as far as you know exceeding that. Now, when you go to Bet US, you'll find that line there. Packers plus two. Same exact line that PFF is showing there. Again, that's BetUS, America's favorite sports book, celebrating their 34th year in business. They are the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. We appreciate them jumping on board with us. Let's talk about defense, Tim. Um, Carl Brooks, 17 snaps, only 17 snaps. You wish it was more. 80 PFF grade, though, looking good. I'm to the point now, man. I've just got to be real with you guys. Um, I was screaming at my TV all Sunday with Devontae Wyatt. He made mental error after mental error. And some people were going, oh, Clayton, you're trying to, you know, why are you trying to dog on Wyatt? You need to know this, okay? I want you to look into my eyes for a second. I was all over Devontae Wyatt. That was my guy. 
I was screaming, I don't care about the age. I want Devontae Wyatt. That's the pick that makes sense. And when they took him, I was fired up. Quay, not so much because I was like, Quay was under the radar for me. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, hey, I've seen that one coming. But Devontae was like, I'm on board, great pick, Goody. I was wrong. I mean, he's a great pass rusher. We see it every single week. But there's more to play in defensive line, interior defensive line, than just pass rush. And then last week, the pass rush took a little bit of a step back at 64.8. And, Tim, I mean, 40.2, his tackle grade, 26.6. He just plays reckless. He plays out of control, not to mention the penalties, not to mention the minimal mistakes. I thought Matt LaFleur was going to slap him. That would have been ugly if he had. Don't get me wrong. Dante would have twisted him up like a pretzel. But watching them go at it, and then they hugged it out with the pro hug at the end, and I, I love to see Devontae's reaction to that. He handled it well. But, man, can we can we just try Carl Brooks? The, let's flip that snap count. Let's get Carl Brooks 38 snaps, right? And I know it's got him listed as left end because he's he's kind of – he comes in on those passing downs. I got you. He, he's one of those pass-rushing defensive linemen. When, when Devontae White is struggling that bad against run defense – why not give Carl Brooks a shot, man? So, you know, that's that's what I wanted to lead off with. I'll let you kind of talk about what you hit on here, and then I'll run through the grades one last time before we wrap up. But what what do you think about Devontae White? And are you seeing the same thing when you watch the game, or am I being too critical there, dude? No, I think I see, I'm see. i seeing that too, and I really think that uh, here we go. We finally got us a, a rookie playing like a rookie, right? I mean, it's a young player playing like a young player. It, it totally explains why. You know, you vacillate between, holy cow, what a play by Devontae Wyatt. And then, right. holy cow, what a dumpster fire of a play by Devontae. There's like, he hasn't found that consistency and that even keel, that, that you know, middle of the road where you want to be and be consistent. Um, yeah, it is. It's a bit of recklessness. He's kind of getting washed out of plays or, you know, he's he's out of the play right off the snap already. Um, you got to think the guy's going to work through it. But, yeah, I mean, look where we are in the season. There are other guys. I mean, hell, give give Colby Wooden more more snaps. I mean, I'm with you on Carl Brooks, though. I think he shows the most uh, most potential there. And you know, regardless of where he's listed at, uh, I mean, look at look at the run D grade on him. You know, 61.3 versus you know 50 with Devontae Wyatt. And you know, Devontae Wyatt is should be your your run stuffer. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I'm not going to say a time for a change, but it's time to mix it up. There's talent on this team. Um, but, you know, I, I'm all for giving guys a chance to play through some of these ups and downs. And, you know, you, you really hope that as his career progresses, you see more progress from uh, Wyatt. But um, I'm not going to dog him out, right, because we have seen good games from him. It's just it hasn't been consistent. Yeah. Definitely. Reef in the chat says, Clayton, the Green Bay's youth is playing your heartstrings. LOL, me too, brother. It could be the case. It could be. Uh, it's just, you get, uh, season's almost over. This has happened all year, you know? Like, let's just, let's just try something else. Let's, let's, let's give another guy a shot. Omer says, LVN top grade last three weeks by PFF, Jim. Uh, I know yeah. Jim was talking about how she's excited about LVN. So let's kind of talk about that. She says, yeah, morning LVN, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Carl Brooks, 80.0. Lucas Van Ness, 71.0. Preston Smith, 70.3. Kobe Wooden, 67.8. Only eight snaps, though. Jonathan Owen, 65.9. Kingsley and Ibarre, 65.4. Kenny Clark, 65.2. Carrington Valentine, only three snaps. 
We take Carrington out of the game to put in the all-world Jair Alexander, and we give up 30 points to one of the worst offenses in the league. And Carrington Valentine had three snaps. Um, Jair Alexander, 62.3 run defense, 34.9 tackle grade, 39.5 coverage grade, 68.5. Um, Rudy Ford, only seven snaps, 61.9. Uh, Quay Walker, 59.1. Um, obviously, uh, I think he had, a, if I remember correctly, he may have had a penalty maybe, but his coverage was, I mean, his coverage was horrible, 39.8. There was one play in general where they ran a, ran a zone blitz one of the rare times they actually ran zone with the blitz combination. And he just – he covered no one again, man. It's it's tough to watch. It is. Uh, great tackle grade, though. Uh, great pass rushing. Run defense, 74.9, filling the gap. You could tell they were really keen in on the run, but that coverage – it's like he just can't put it together week in and week out. We're waiting for him to consistently put that together, and it just hasn't happened. Eric Stokes. At what point – I need someone to tell me, Tim, at some point – at what point am I allowed to say, okay, the Eric Stokes experiment is over? Because this is what he was grading out before the injury last year. And yeah. a lot of people chalked it up to, well, the whole defense is playing bad, so you can't really – that's not how PFF works, okay? PFF is looking at their you know, their their role in the defense right there on that specific play. Did they make a play that made a difference or not? Did they do their job? They did their job, okay, great. Or did they blow a situation where they had an opportunity to make a play? That's how that works. It has nothing to do with what people were doing around them. So 58.4, coverage grade 55.3. Oh, my God. See, you know, you talked about, you know, Valentine being out so Ja could be in. You know, I I honestly thought they were going to go Valentine over Stokes and put Ja out there, and, and we didn't see that. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to dog Eric Stokes too hard because I, I respect the guy's approach and his work ethic, what it took for him to get back, watching him struggle through camp with that rehab group, just trying to get back on the field. So I got to give him a little leeway when it comes to that. But, you know, I, I keep hearing your voice in my head. You know, he didn't grade that high prior to the injuries, um, you know, and another guy we took, right? Uh, good RAS score, high ceiling. Yeah. Uh, we're just not seeing it. He caught me off guard. And then yep. you start digging, you go, okay, I see it. High, high RAS, SEC school, yep. um, you know, covered some of the best receivers in the game. But his rookie year, everybody's like, he had a great rookie year. He graded out in the 60s. It was It's a good rookie year. Typically that says, okay, they're going to be a good player moving forward. I'm, um, I'm with Chris N here in the chat, though. Give Stokes two more games. I mean, yeah, yeah we got two more games good. left. Um, you know, get, And not that you yeah. would cut him because he's under contract next year. I'm just simply saying – we got to stop looking at him as like, hey, this is our future. Right. You know I mean? Shut down. Right. It's more of a depth chart uh, thing at, as opposed to like a spot for him on the team. Um, and I do agree with the sentiment that, hey, we got two games left. Let's see if he can hit his stride um, and close out this season on a high point. Um, especially again, like I said, I mean, the guy hasn't played a lot of football. He really hasn't. So, you know, hopefully his best is still ahead of him. Right. And that's being optimistic, you know. I'm right. clearly being optimistic there, but yeah. Chris in the chat said, "Yeah, give Stokes two more games, like you you pointed out there." Um, I like this right here. Doug in the chat says, "My conspiracy theory: they kept Valentine out to keep him fresh and let Ja get his home game." My guess: the D we saw versus the Chiefs and the Lions, Valentine, Valentine will return, work well together. I hate to say that we called it because it's the last thing I would want to want to be right on Tim. But we talked about: are we worried? about 
uh, these guys getting healthy and it upsetting the chemistry that's been kind of created, you know, uh, with uh, with this defense. And it's exactly what happened, man. It's exactly what freaking happened. It's so frustrating. But I do want to point out Lucas Van Ness, though. Only 20 snaps, 71.0, tackle grade 71.2, run defense 70.0. It's what you've seen on the college tape. Pass rush took a little step back, 59.6. You know, Greg Cosell pointed out to him in the offseason, we talked about it a lot. He said, I'm hearing out of Green Bay they're going to play him at outside linebacker. He said, I don't understand that. When I heard that, me being the arrogant SOB that I am, I immediately said, Greg doesn't understand. Like he, he, he's just hearing that. doesn't mean they're doing it. Greg's got people in every building, okay? He's been around the game for so long. Greg Cosell has got people embedded everywhere. He was hearing that before everyone, that, hey, he's going to be standing up playing outside linebacker. And I'm going, I think they'll play him on the interior too. They haven't. They started to put his hand in the dirt. You've seen it starting last week. We pointed out on Chalk Talk, plays better with his hand in the dirt. With the way the interior defensive line is playing, you've got Preston, you've got Gary, you've got Enigbare. You see how he plays run defense, he being LVN. That's another one you could put in the rotation. See what he can do in that nickel at defensive line. He can hold his own. He's stout enough to hold his own at the point of attack. It's not like, okay, he's just an edge rusher. That's not what he did in college. He played all over the defensive line. Um, Yeah. I wouldn't mind to see that the last two games, but we're getting to the point now where we're starting to talk like, okay, we're last two games of season. We're just going to change everything up. Probably not going to happen. Right. But it's just, I don't know. It's it's more hope than anything, I guess you could say. So um, we got through it. We finally got the PFF grades in Tim. What's your final thoughts on the PFF grades this week, man? Yeah. My final thoughts. Gross. Um, Some, some, some good in there sprinkled in um i i quay's kind of stood out to me a little bit because his numbers looked like they were a little better than we've seen in previous weeks um and uh one of the things that won't show up on pff but again speaks to the strides that quay has made uh as a pro athlete i don't know if you remember that play where he made a it was almost similar to jo's hit on mahomes a few weeks ago there was a bang bang play on a sideline and quay came over there and lowered the boom on the ball carrier and it got a little chippy after the play. And there was words exchanged. There was pushes and shoves. It was getting heated. It was getting heated quickly. And I don't know if you if you picked up on it, but Quay basically put his hands behind his back and kind of kind of backpedaled himself out of that mess. And it ended up being a personal foul on uh, the Panthers player in the situation. So, you know, I'll take growth wherever I can get it with young players. And uh if anything, he did us a favor by not costing us in that situation. Um, so it's, it's a testament to everything he's worked for in this offseason and throughout this year uh, to keep a cool head out there. So at least we he's got that part of the game shored up. You know, his head's in there. It's some of this execution that we're concerned with. And I really think Quay is going to just need more time. I, I know we hate to hear that, but, you know, he's he's. He, let's be honest, he's not a Mike linebacker, but he's becoming one because that's what he's being asked to do. And um, I don't know. I'm with Quay, man. I support him 100 percent. I, I want to see more consistency. Um, I want to see him continue to come into his own as a pro out there. Uh, and I think it's just going to take a little more time, you know. And, you know, as you're explaining that, Tim, it's going to take more time. We got to let him grow all those things. 
that's what happens when you draft high athletic score exactly. over, you know, proven on the field football like you, right? Yep. Um, draft and develop doesn't just apply to the to the quarterback position, right? You know, yep. um, and, it, and yeah, how much time do you have though? I hear, I, I get the sentiment. How many years do you have? How many seasons do you have? Um, but I just, I, I think you're right, man. We don't do ourselves any favor drafting high RAS and then saying, Hey, play over here. Now all this stuff you used to do. Oh, you like blitzing? Huh? Yeah. You're not going to blitz. You're going to, you're going to, we're, we're going to have you covering. And it's been um, going on since, since the Ted Thompson days. Right. Yeah. I think yep. of, I think of Demarius Randall. I think of uh, all these different players that they tried to, okay, no, here's where you're going to play. This is what you're going to do rather than what do you do well? Let's put you in a position to do that. So uh, there you go. Doug in the chat says the spread went down half a point after the Vikings announced TJ Hawkinson was out for the year, ACL, MCL tear. Hawk is uh, one of the better tight ends in the league. You, you hate to see anybody get hurt, but as a Packer fan, you talk about it, you say, yeah, it's going to have an effect on the game. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you, I'm a fan that's like I want to beat a team at their full strength. I don't want there to be any excuses, right? But you have to acknowledge injuries are a part of the game, like you said, Doug, and that's a big yeah. injury for the Vikings for sure. And as far as the half a point, I'm still not seeing that, but it depends on the bookie. I'm sure you can get better numbers in different spots or different numbers in different spots. You know, nobody knows if it's a better number till after the game, obviously. But uh, as according to PFF's green line, uh, I when I did that screenshot this morning, uh, I just went back and checked again. They've still got it at, at minus two, Vikings two-point favorites. And then, of course, BetUS I checked earlier, and they had it at two. So that may have changed on other apps, and it's coming with that change because, like I think Jen pointed out in here, someone else tore a quad two. I can't remember which player that was. I think it was a defensive lineman that O'Mara mentioned earlier. So, um, yeah, that's uh, just something to keep an eye on. But I think it's going to be an NFC North showdown up there in Minnesota. You know, they, they've got playoff hopes as well, even though they're, they've are they kind of got three quarterbacks that they may shuffle in and out of the game. Uh, yeah. And it's going to be That's what I think of when I see Hawkinson going down. I think, a hot, you know, the spread's great. Don't get me wrong. But, like, how does this affect Minnesota's offensive game plan now? And how do we prepare – for some a, a different look here, you know, because let's be honest with the quarterback issues that they have, or I don't know if it's issues, but just the, the quarterback, you know, circus that's going on there, you know, are we going to see run heavy approach? Good. I don't know why we wouldn't considering our, how our run defense has performed. I mean, if, you know, that Vikings staff has got to be looking at our, our run defense and thinking, is this the way to attack now that they're down a tight end? Um, a dynamic tight end who is a target, pass catching target, um, or are they just going to literally, you know, force feed Justin Jefferson the ball all day? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, the way we've been talking about our secondary, I guess either approach may work. So uh, hopefully, hopefully the uh, the pack puts together a good game plan and executes it. Um, As you're talking there, Tim, I'm just my mind's kind of, you know thoughts are running through my mind here and the first thing that comes to mind that Jair Alexander play where he's 10 yards off the ball you guys remember Carrington playing off right post-game presser what did Matt LaFleur say we're in man coverage there you cannot play that far off that okay. that doesn't need to happen this was not a player not getting the call 
Right. So this he, was a player making the call that, hey, I'm going to play. This is where I'm going to line if up. You, if you had an issue with a seventh-round rookie not getting the call and playing too far off in man coverage, probably got an issue with the highest-paid corner in the league choosing to play 10 yards off the ball in man coverage. That just hit me as we were sitting there. I'm like, man, a lot of, a lot of parallels there. They got to get it. They got to get play older. JJ like that on Sunday night. That post might go for a tutter. And hey, look, my my opinion still stands. I want the Packers to win. I want us to make the playoffs. I think what if you if you're one and done in the playoffs, that experience for this young team is absolutely huge. And yep. always root for the Packers to win. But him wanting to go out there and be the hero all the time. And there's several plays where he's botting on yep. zone. And he's got deep deep responsibility. And just playing his own game and forget what everybody else is trying to do. You want to be a hero, that's what I would do. I'd yeah. say, you're a captain. You know, a matter of fact, you're the only captain. You're going to be our captain. Go out to the coin toss by your damn self on Sunday. Go out there, call the toss, do whatever you want to do, and all game long we're playing man coverage, and I want to press yeah. up on Justin Jefferson. Play your game. Let's go, hero. You want to be a hero? Go be a hero. Let's see it. That's the way I see it. It's just drives yeah, me. Me too. I'm with you, Clay. I'm right there with you, man. We'll figure out that's how to do it. You know, I'm not going to beg and dog on, on Jair, man. I've been probably one of the biggest Jair supporters. You have, man. You have. And, you've been a big supporter. And, 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 and hey, I'm, that's a, a hill I'm going to die on. And, um, you know, but at the same time, man, real is real. And, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, the truth is the truth. We're seeing it on the film. We're seeing it, you know, in these games. You're, I'm with you, Clayton. Like, it's time, it's time for him to step up and get it done. You've done everything but that. Let, let's and you know, hey, let's be honest. Ja has a has a tendency to do that in these big games and in these big moments with big matchups. So maybe you're right. Maybe that is the approach. You know, I wonder what the vibe is inside the uh, the Hudson Center right now as they're getting ready for uh, for practice today. Um, you know, do you do you just go right? Oh, hey, I would send Coach Williams over to him. Hey, Ja, I just got the word in. You're pressed up on on JJ all day long. That's your guy. And we're playing man all day long. <laughs> and what's crazy is the play that he gets burned on where he's 10 yards off the line was man coverage. Yeah, but you can't – don't say that, Clayton. Don't and say listen, that. They're playing that soft zone again. Listen. That's what everyone says, right? And then don't he hit him goes – with the facts. Oh, no. I'm getting angry. Think about how this all unfolded. He's playing 10 yards off the line and cover one man. And then has the audacity at the end of the game to say, you just got to run the play that's called. What, what call do you what want? Were you, running? You, right. you don't want to play zone. Now you don't want to play man. Now, like what, well, what do you want them to call? Play devil's advocate here. You could coach your football team and tell the players that this is where you play when I call this defense. You don't have the freedom to line up wherever you damn well please on these plays. Maybe right. it's time to do that. It goes yeah. both ways, right? He's being given that freedom. So if you give him the freedom and he does what he wants, then you get you deal with the result that happens. Now, if you're telling him to do something and then he's doing whatever he wants, you got a whole other issue you got to address. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. This is on the coaches. This is on the coaches. I'm going to get close here like a weirdo. Sorry if I'm too close to the mic. But I want to see um, – actually, this doesn't show it. It would have been on the PFF side – I would have to look at it. I can't remember the snaps. I was trying to see how many snaps he played in the slot. 
and it was a fairly significant amount. I don't have it on this screen grab. I'm going to do this. We're at an hour and 17. This is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> let me just pull it up real quick. It's going to drive me crazy. So we can finally turn the page on uh, on this, uh, on the PFF grades that we've refused to acknowledge all week long. So, um, all right. So when you go to Jire Alexander, bang, here we go. When we look at the snaps, the coverage snaps, alignment snaps, here we go. So Jire was technically in the box 29 times. He technically played free safety one time with the, the alignment that, that fell into place. He was in the slot 15 times. He got 15 slot snaps, 15 slot snaps. And he got freaking – hold up a minute, hold up a minute, hold up a minute. Yeah, that's right, that's right. No, it ain't. This is not the game. Hold on just one second. My bad. So that was all year. I may have been looking at that wrong the entire time. Let me get this right real quick. I want to see how many times he lined up in the slot because I know he got burned once in the slot. Yeah, seven. That's what I was talking about. So he played the slot 15 times all year, right? And seven of those 15 came in this one game. That's what I was trying to get to. So go out there in front of your hometown crowd. Hey, it's your time to shine, Ja. Big stage. Go get them, big guy, in front of the fam. Got torched. Run, run, run our pregame show back. That's what I said. I said, put them out there and put them in the slot. Let's go. White jersey game, right? We got up got, in these we, moments. We got a conspiracy here, and then we're in it. I promise. Here we go. <laughs> Doug in the chat says, Ja felt bad for Joe Barry. Decided to take some heat off of him. <laughs> oh, Lord. There you go, Tim. <laughs> Good Lord. All right, we're out of here, guys. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us. If y'all would on your way out, um, hit that like button for us so other Packer fans can find this channel, find this podcast. We appreciate y'all spending time with us. We'll be back tonight for PTA Live. We'll have uh, a ton of more information to hit on, I'm sure. I probably won't have Chalk Talk ready till tomorrow, but we'll get that geared up for you guys so we can break down 17 different plays that were crucial in that game against the uh, against the Panthers, both on offense and defense. So thank you guys so much. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go!